Welcome back to another episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast with more flawless victories than OJ Simpson. As always, I am your host, Keith. And this is another big episode. This is another big game. And I had to have two guests on to tackle this one. It is Mortal Kombat 2 with returning guest Rick Firestone of Pixel Project Radio. And brand new contestant here. Contestant? Combatant? Combatant with a K. Raging Demon from the Mighty Command List podcast. But before we get into all of that, we've got to talk about the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash the main quest. And amongst those tiers, you'll see you'll get stuff like upwards of three, maybe four bonus episodes a month. And with it being December, you're going to get a brand new episode on Super Mario World 2 colon Yoshi's Island, which was a patron request, which is something else you can do on Patreon. If you check out some of those tiers there, you can make me play whatever you want and I will talk about it. For a nominal fee. You're also going to get a full-length episode on Celeste. So even between those two games, uh, you're getting two episodes of content of games that I hold very close to my heart. I really enjoy both of those games. So if you really want to get in depth and let me uh, talk your ear off about these games that I really enjoy, you can head on over there. Uh, You're also going to get a full-length episode on the movie Silent Hill. Because me and a friend of the show, Ryan Yingling, who co-hosts the Main Quest Matinee with me, talking about video game movie adaptations, and we are ranking them from the worst to the best. And it doesn't matter what we think of the movie, because we have a very scientific method upon which we rate these games. And so no matter what we think of it, it could either come dead last or it could shoot right up to the top. But amongst these tiers, the most important thing here are the shout-outs. These are the people who support the show the most. These are the people that I want you to know about. And these people are... Seek Ye Wisdom David Palafox Eric Guess Zero Sam Van Fernal Chris Copleen Ashton and Kayla Jackson Thank you guys so much for your continued support. Thank you for allowing me to do the stupid shit that I do every month. With that said, uh, Raging Demon and Rick should be jumping on the call any minute now. So I'm going to go ahead and hit the music, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation about Mortal Kombat 2. Today on the podcast, we are covering a sequel that has some really big shoes to fill, I would say. And in order to talk about it, well, this this episode has to be a little edgier than the first episode I did on Mortal Kombat. I actually installed a, uh, a pool of acid, and I expanded the guest roster. I am joined tonight by two palette swap ninjas. One of them is returning guest. 
from Pixel Project Radio. It is Rick Scorpion Firestone. How you doing, buddy? Hey, man, you can get over here anytime, or I'll come over there anytime, <laughs> more appropriately. <laughs> I'm good, man. Thanks for inviting me back. I uh, I was really excited to hear that you were doing this game in particular, and uh, let's uh, let's let's get wild, dude. I'm so ready to talk about it. Yeah, how are you feeling today, by the way? Because the last time you were on, you weren't doing too well. <laughs> I I am proud to say I'm COVID-free this time. We flip-flop because there's something going around in my house, and it is just bouncing between the four of us, and I'm, like, sick for the second time. So oh. we'll see how long I last tonight. And all the way in the darkest reaches of the globe, some call it the uh, the outworld of planet Earth, in Australia, it is commandless own raging noob cybot demon how you doing man great gentlemen you could say it's the nether realm at the moment is that fucking hot here but yeah um it's great to be on you know nice to finally do this i love this game as well it's one of my childhood favorites too and yeah i'll talk about this whenever anyone else is willing (laughs) yeah welcome to the show man i feel like uh you two are the perfect fit for something like this i did have to i didn't ask neil back because you got to cut somebody from the roster so uh, maybe for MK3, we can have all three of you guys jump in on here and uh, talk about that one. Well, he he can stay chained up on uh, Shao Kahn's, you know, st- stage, you know, until until number three, mate. Now, is he dressed like Kano or is he dressed like Sonya? I, I think that's the question everybody wants to know. Depends what people are into, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> but this being your inaugural episode, Demon, I have to ask you the all-important question. What is your favorite game of all time? I have I have been thinking on this for a while now, but it's it's a bit like you could have asked me an easier question like how do we bring global peace, you know, in our time. You know, <laughs> you could have asked us something asked me something a bit more straightforward, but um I d I don't know. Um I have I have I have picked one, but is it a game that I could just always play and just always love it? Is it a game I just made it left a big impact and you know, it's it just once you've played it, it, it just changes how you feel about, you know, gaming, you know, is, is it, it depends what, what you sort of, what day it is and sort of what, what you're actually, what is your favorite about it? Is it the gameplay? Is it the story? Cause I mean, as much as the, say the last of us, for example, is an amazing game. How many times have you got to play that? You know, I actually, I'll give some honorable mentions before I say my favorite, but you know, like street fighter alpha three, that's one. That I thought about, oh, I could play that anytime and just get stuck playing it. Um, there's CVS2, so Capcom versus SNK. That's just an amazing cross up. It's such a good game. Uh, you know, I can always enjoy playing that against people. Or is it, you know, something that's addictive and just a good time, like Streets of Rage 2 or Streets of Rage 4, you know, like I, I but I think if I'm deep down being honest with myself, it's got to be a Tekken game and it's either five or seven and I've decided. Seven is my favorite game. I know it's a bit more modern, but it I've hundred percented it on Steam, Xbox, and PlayStation. I've fucking got ungodly hours on that game and I just love it. So I have to go with Tekken Seven, I think. I mean that might change in the future, but yeah, I love the series. I love that one in particular. And like I said, it just I can't think of a game I've put more hours into and bought more times than that one. So yeah, it's it's for me it's Tekken 7 with an honorable mention to Streets of Rage 4. 
Is uh, is Tekken Seven looked upon fondly by the community? I'm I don't know anything about Tekken really. Well, it's the longest lasting one. It's in especially in the competitive scene. I don't know if I mean nostalgia would obviously put three and tag and some of those and five right up there. But um, yeah, just I think I think it's still regarded as the best one. But it's again because it's one of the newer ones. It's hard to sort of. There's there's a recency bias or there's a nostalgia bias. It's hard to get, you know, sort of. But I, most Tekken fans enjoy Tekken 7 and have it right up there with 5 or, or Tag 2 or one of those ones. But so, you know, I'd say it's pretty pretty much universally acclaimed. But, yeah, with 8 coming out, who knows what's going to, you know, what how I'm going to feel about 7, you know. I'm highly anticipating Tekken 8. I, I cannot wait for that. I do have a huge gap in my uh, Tekken history. I played one through three, no, one through tag uh, when I was growing up. And then from tag until seven, I, I didn't play any of them. So, and yeah, Tekken seven is fucking great. If you get it on sale or something, Rick, I would definitely recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Cool. I don't think I've played a Tekken since four, actually. Underrated. Get cops a lot of hate for, for, for no reason, in my opinion, but... So I think six isn't is sort of meh. It's okay, but tag two is better. But yeah, Tekken seven's cheap, dirt cheap at the moment. So yeah, I'd recommend it too. You just grab it, and it's it's still familiar enough. Even if you've sort of if you dropped off at about Tekken four or whatever, you'd still be able to pick it up. And something I've never done with a returning guest, and I'm going to ask you, Rick, is your favorite game of all time still Disco Elysium? Yeah, you know I. I, I was thinking about that coming in here. I wasn't expecting you to ask, but I, I was thinking about it. I don't know. Like, I still think it's a masterpiece. I still, I, personally, I would still call it a 10 out of 10. I still love it. I don't know if I would call it my favorite anymore, uh, but I also don't know what I would swap out with it. You know what I mean? Um, so for right now, I might be boring and just say, like, yeah, I'll just keep it there. But I I don't know. Part of Part of me, you know... The more I think about Xeno Gears and Xeno Saga, the more the more I, I want to put it there. But I, I don't know. For now, I'm going to just stay with Disco, though. Okay, that's fair. I, you didn't have to, no pressure. I actually have never asked a guest that. <laughs> and, like, brought back, uh, you know, what, what they had said on their first episode here. So I was just curious. Well, it's a good question, isn't it? Because it will certainly change, I think. You go 10 years from now, I think a lot of people will change their mind. I mean, as the hobby tends to go between playing games and podcasting about video games, there's a lot of stuff that can fill in those gaps, you know, kind of seep through and hold on to you. Oh, yeah. And, it, and every now and then, like a game like Hades grabbed me, for example. I'm, it's not really my genre, not really into it, but for whatever reason, I just couldn't stop fucking playing that game either. You know, like, it, yeah, so every now and then something like that pops up and you're like, make sure to rethink it. You know, well, I really enjoy that game and it's it's just got something, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm going to direct the conversation and kind of still keeping it in um, the wheelhouse of essentially what your favorite games are. And you've kind of already alluded it to it, Demon. But as we slide into the conversation of Mortal Kombat 2, I want to know what your history with fighting games is. And I'm going to toss it to you first, Rick, since... Um, I could probably guess what Demon's going to say based on what he says some of his favorite games were. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I, I will get this out of the way up front. As far as fighting games go, I'm I'm a, I'm a casual, straight up. Um, the only one that I've ever put any time into learning has been Smash Ultimate. 
I, I wouldn't call myself competitively viable, but you know, at most, you know, you know chill friends parties, I, I could usually beat everyone. Um, I've been playing fighting games since, I mean, since I was a kid, my, my first console was the Saturn and then shortly thereafter the Game Boy Pocket, um, and not to get ahead of myself, but MK2 on the, on the Game Boy was literally one of my first games ever. Um, but on the Saturn, I was also playing Battle Arena Toshinden Remix and, uh, Fighters Megamix. I did not, uh, oh, and Virtual Fighter 2, for, uh, Virtual Fighter 2 those that's kind of just what i grew up playing and that's what i knew for a long time was those games uh and daytona and clockwork night like that's <laughs> that was my whole roster for a while and you know even to this day like i love picking up retro fighting games on ps1 ps2 saturn snes uh just everything i i have such a blast i don't really get into the nitty-gritty like frame data uh maximizing like end lag or or block cancels or anything like that but you know, I some of the most fun I have, even in 2023, is going to a friend's house, like having a beer and throwing on like uh, putting the PS1 on and playing whatever fighting game. Wu, Wu Tang Shaolin Showdown. How about that? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of my history with fighting games. Love them. Wouldn't say that I'm good at them, but they're a lot of fun. Demon, he's one of us, a Saturnian. Yes, I was about to say, good man. First console is a Saturn. <laughs> you lucky, you you lucky duck. That That's a... And that's a fighting game console for sure, you know, like... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, such a great library of fighting games there. Probably one of the reasons it didn't do well, but, yeah, I mean, it was a sort of waning genre, I think. But, oh, it's, it had some of the best on there, you know. I, only I even threw in the other day, I threw in Fighters Megamix and I just <laughs> went through, like, training, doing combos and stuff. That's much deeper than I think I ever gave it credit for. Like, you could get into that kind of a game you know oh yeah for sure and fighting vipers too like they seem silly at first like look and then you're like oh no there's a really fun you know and they've got a lot of mechanics and it's a really good 3d fighter they feel so good to play surprisingly for how old they are oh 100 you go play tekken one or two how, how garbage does it feel you know like even vf1 <laughs> vf2 is kind of rough a little bit as well yeah they don't usually hold up but uh yeah some of them do and that's one of them so a follow-up question for you rick have you swayed one way or another whether it's 2d fighters over 3d fighters or vice versa that's when, when you say 3d fighters do you mean 3d fighters like mortal kombat 11 or do you mean like um dragon ball budokai kind of 3d fighter kind of like dragon ball budokai you know mortal kombat 4 uh that kind of style okay. where they where you are able to okay. actually actively move around the arena okay yeah so if if that's the if that's the qualification then 2d all the way I am. Uh, I, I think it's fun to play the Budokai games and like fly around and you know have that depth of field. But I would much rather. I'm not even as big of a fan of the Mortal Kombat's like Armageddon and Deception, where you can sidestep quite as much. I'd rather it just be like up, down, left, right, and that's it. And swinging it over to you, Demon. Your history of fighting games and which style you prefer. Well, I mean, I started out in gaming on a master system. So, um, and the arcades. So in the arcades, I loved, I loved Street Fighter. I loved it. Uh, is it, I don't know for whatever reason. I mean, I, I'm into martial arts as a hobby as well, but just fighting games are just that ultimate. You have to learn how to do it. Then you actually have to learn how to use it. And it's so fun to play against people with your friends and stuff. So after with the master system, once we did get a mega drive and they started to put half decent fighting games 
on the home consoles. This, you know, Mortal Kombat 2 was one of the first fighting games. I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's the first one I owned and didn't have to rent. But, yeah, fighting games just always hooked me from the very start. Even, you know, I played the 8-bit ones, I KO on my Game Boy. I had uh, the Mortal Kombat on Master System as well. I got that after the Mega Drive um, Mortal Kombat 2 cartridge, but I still used to play it when my brother was on the on the Mega Drive, you know. So, yeah, it's just... I've I've never really fallen off. I've I played I got a Saturn, I had Virtual Fighter 1 and 2, I got a PlayStation just to have Tekken. I think even though Tekken's my favorite franchise, overall I still prefer the 2D and 2.5D fighters more. There's just a simplicity and a and a complexity to a lot of them as well, but it's just I find um it's a lot easier to deliver a solid fun 2D fighting game than it is a 3D one. Getting that that third plane correct is very difficult but games like Tekken and, and Virtual Fighter 2 and you know Megamix and and then when you're looking at sort of Soul Calibur as well even Dead or Alive which only flaw is not being Tekken you know like they were great execution of 3D so but I think if I had to pick one over the other even though Tekken's my favorite franchise I'd still probably go with 2D fighters you know, and I, I love the K, uh, King of Fighters games too, but w- obviously you couldn't buy a Neo Geo because they were fucking a million dollars. So I used to play those on the Neo Geo cabinets in like our rec- local recreation center and arcades and stuff like that. So yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. I had sort of, I've had fighting, mostly fighting games on every console I've had. Are there any, I guess aside from Tekken, any good 3D fighters that are still coming out that are worth playing? I don't, I, Virtual Fighter Five's pretty good. I don't know. Dead or Alive can be hit and miss. It's a bit of a sort of gotcha game these days, but um, Dead or Alive 5 and 6 are okay. Um, the new Soul Calibers are not, not that good. I don't know. I think at the moment it's really just, I guess, Tekken and, and probably you could see like Dragon Ball Z um, as well as kind of 3D, isn't it? I, know, I haven't really played them much. And then Guilty Gear, you can see. Fighters is just 2D, isn't it? Fight, yeah, Fighters E is. Fighters E is. But yeah, Budokai was 3D, wasn't it? Like you said. Yeah, Guilty Gear sort of is pseudo 3D in many ways as well. But it, yeah, I mean, some of the games have a dodge, which adds that sort of third dimension. But um, no, I can't think of any any other really good ones aside Tekken and maybe you can make an argument for Dead or Alive or Virtual Fighter Five. I think that's so, one of the reasons why I fell out of love with fighting games in the early to mid 2000s because they were all mostly going 3d and it just wasn't working for me like the only one that really stayed true was street fighter but as i've mentioned plenty of times on other podcasts i mean street fighter never get along i don't know what it is about street fighter i just cannot get the hang of street fighter for some reason despite me loving king of fighters and stuff like that and having a very similar you know, uh, combo system, button setup, and everything like that. When, you know, I'm trying stuff like Soul Calibur or trying to get into Tech and Tag Tournament and um, stuff like that. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of good 2D fighters still going around in that era. And if there were, I definitely missed them. Well, I feel they all felt pressured to go that way. And then obviously your Virtual Fighter and Tekken had a, had a head start. Right, and they were more fleshed out. They'd already released some shitty ones, you know, like the the original tech and the original. They were good for their time, and the original Virtual Fighter. But they're obviously a work in progress, 
and they get sequels like within a year. So, but and Toshinden wasn't didn't feel that good, you know. But it was okay for the time. But I think that Street Fighter tried and failed. Mortal Kombat tried and failed. I mean, as much as I loved Deadly Alliance and Deception and stuff, it's just, just they weren't appealing enough to casuals. They weren't. They didn't feel. A lot of people didn't like how they felt. And then with two D games, like I feel like they kept making decent ones, but they just started to get saturated. Like all the alphas, they were all great. Um, all the versus games, and then you start to have Dark Stalkers, and it, and I think they all sort of that was a sort of illusion that it wasn't it, that no one wanted two D games when probably all it was was there was too many. Um, and then, like you said, once once sort of Street Fighter X and then Tekken Three and stuff come, there's a bit of a drought in two D fighters, right? And then you get Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue sort of start up around then, but they're kind of small, right? So I do want to say I have a very soft spot in my heart for Mortal Kombat Four. <laughs> it's not as shit as people say the n64 version is pretty crap but like overall it wasn't as bad as people made it out to be the one on the dreamcast is pretty good it's just not as feature rich you know? and you know everything else like as far as the graphics and for that dialogue um yeah yeah I mean, oh, it's, it's rough but it's a fun game to play <laughs> <laughs> it's over jarek Speaking of of Mortal Kombat, what's your history with the game in question, Mortal Kombat 2? Right, so I rented this first. My parents were a bit older and they didn't give a shit what I played. They just thought all video games were toys. So I'd seen Mortal Kombat in the arcades. One and two had just come out. And I I rented it at the video shop. My parents let me rent it. I put it in, played Mortal Kombat 2 before I played Mortal Kombat 1. And like I remember winning a couple of rounds and getting to the pit and the computer just doing a stage fatality on me and me just fucking falling to my doom. Blood everywhere. Because, you know, it looks shit when you look back on it now, that, that, that attempt to go into a, like a 3D-ish looking <laughs> fall to your death. But I was like, wow, I didn't know you could do that. I knew there was blood and stuff in the game because I'd seen it at the arcade, but I hadn't seen a fatality. So I was like, this is amazing. I was like, wow. You know, and I was like, this is so cool. And that game just so happened to be the better. Yeah, obviously, it's one of these games that makes its original you know, obsolete pretty much straight away. But I, was, I just thought it was so cool and it was so different to Street Fighter because I'd rented Street Fighter before that. But, yeah, and I just – I remember really nagging my parents to get this game and because I was renting it a lot. I was renting the original. My uncle had the original. He had every fucking game. So when I would go around there, I'd play it, but he had a shitty three-button controller. Um, so, but, yeah, I just – this sort of really – made me love fighting games just more broadly too because everyone liked Street Fighter to an extent at the time, but this was just, it had the that X factor that, oh, there's blood, it's, it's, it's oh, it's edgy, it's, you know, it pushes the boundaries of what's allowed on a, you know, rating systems obviously come from Mortal Kombat, but yeah, that was my first experience and I was probably only about eight, seven or eight, you know. Yeah, it was just, that was my first exposure to this game. And I was just, once we got it, this led to a controller ban for my brother. He had to use his own controller because he kept getting so mad. But yeah, that was my introduction to this game. Yeah, it's, so we're, we're about the same age. And it's funny when you talk about like, oh yeah, we're, we were only eight years old, but it seems like it was like the most adult thing you could be doing as a child is playing Mortal Kombat. And I think we talked about it on the previous episode. for the first game where it was like, yeah, there was, there wasn't really anything like Mortal Kombat out at the time. Like you had some other games that had 
uh, digitized sprites and stuff like that. But Mortal Kombat seemed like something else, you know, and I think as far as people calling the Nintendo for babies and Genesis for adults, uh, the Genesis, you know, Sega really won out with that one or Sega. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how <laughs> we're pronouncing it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Just do what's natural. <laughs> I know. I'm going to slip with my Mega Drive and Genesis tonight. We're international. But yeah, it's it's just funny because like it's one of those things now where you know I'm not playing Mortal Kombat 1 because I have kids and they are so ever-present and it's very hard to play anything with uh, you know any kind of adult theme theming in it. And it brings up the question. Oh, you can totally. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say you totally play this one in front of your kids. It's so ridiculous in hindsight. Okay, that was my next question. That's where I was going. I was like, would you play this in front of a five or six-year-old? I certainly would play this one. I wouldn't play any of the newer ones, though. I'm even sort of worried about having my 10-year-old son around when I play that one. You know, I'm like, yeah, I won't do any fatalities. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Rick, what's your history with Mortal Kombat 2? So I'm thinking about this, and like, my timeline is a little murky, which is appropriate since we're talking about Mortal Kombat. Because I, I, I distinctly remember playing PS2 in fourth grade. That was when Kingdom Hearts came out. It was nuts. So, I mean, I, I don't know when I started playing this, but uh, MK2 was one of the first Game Boy games I ever got. And I remember I had two cousins at the time. One was about uh, like five or six years older, and then the other was a little older than that, even still. And I just thought they were the coolest people. And when they showed me Mortal Kombat 2 on the Game Boy... Uh, I was like, oh, this is so cool. This is so cool. I want to be just like you, Tim. And so, like, you know, my my, my uh, parents bought me that game because they, I mean, they weren't going to actually check. They didn't give a shit. And I remember very vividly, like, playing it with them and seeing them do fatalities. And they had their little sheets of the moves. And I, I, I was looking at it like it was just this whole new world had just opened up. And... It was, at the time, it was mind-blowing, right? Um, Another thing that I loved doing back then, and even still kind of really enjoy doing today, is just taking out the booklet for the Game Boy, for the Saturn, what have you, and looking at the character art and reading the bios. It's, we we can't, we don't get to do that anymore, and it sucks, because it's it's still one of my favorite things about older games. Um, and, And the art in those was very very of the time. Like, there were so many other, uh, like, children's toys and games and cartoon shows that had similar art uh, comics, too. And I, I just loved it. I ate it up. I actually did not play another version of MK2 until, oh, gosh, I may have played one at an arcade, like uh, like a one-off, so I won't count that. But I didn't get MK2 on Saturn until this year. And I don't think I've ever played the Genesis or 32X version of it either. So I was missing out because because the Game Boy version is obviously very, very, very stripped down in every single way. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of my history with MK2. I love it. I, I think it's it's so great. It's you know, it's for being a Game Boy game, you've got two buttons, you it, it just punch and kick. No high punch, no low punch, nothing like that. Um for for the limited amount of buttons that you had, it was it's surprisingly okay. Right. I mean, you can. And as a kid, like this is this was my whole strategy because I I had a small brain as a child because I was a child. You know, you can do the jumps and you do the uppercuts and that's how you win. You know, just perpetually jump and kick perpetually uppercut and you'll win eventually. 
of course, that didn't work if you tried to fight the hidden characters like Smoke and Jade. It just, they would wreck me every time. I don't think I ever beat them as a kid. Um, but, you know, it was, it, it's surprisingly okay. I haven't played any of the other uh, handheld Mortal Kombats. Like, I know even up in, in through the advance, they were uh, doing that. Oh, that's not true. I, I had MK4 on, on Game Boy Color. But, uh, you know, it's, that's one word for it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, it's fine. Given given how stripped down it had to be, I, I think it's really a, a good time if you, you know, temper your expectations a little bit. Well, and you had to. You had to yeah. that in that era because even on the 16-bit consoles, it wasn't like it, it was only some games that got close. And then when you compared them to the arcade version, you, you, you saw how how stripped down they actually were. The Game Boy is an interesting case for graphics because it is a Nintendo console. So no matter what you have in there, you could say it's either sweat or blood. Like, what's the point of even cutting the blood out? And it was all it was all black and white. And well, not black and white. Technically, it was like what that dot matrix green. So exactly. I mean, we and when they when the characters would explode from the fatalities, it <laughs> looking back, it's so kind of comical. <laughs> it doesn't look like anything. It just looks like Legos bursting apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it's you know, it's fine. I actually remember very distinctly. uh there's a character portrait of Melina in the game. I mean, there's Katana and Melina in the Game Boy version. And Melina's, like, it's so contrasty and, like, uh, old-school graphics that for a long time I thought it was a person with a beard. And I was like, why, why, is, that Melina, why is that Melina's picture some dude with a beard? But no. No, I mean, it's, in hindsight, it's probably more accurate given it facial features, right? But uh, I just... I. It was, I just want to come back to what you said about the manual and the art and all that sort of thing. I just, how good was it when you'd buy a game, your mum and dad would get you a game and then you'd, you'd go, can I carry it? And you'd carry it through the shops and you get in the car and first thing you do is manuals out and you're reading it, right? And you'd sit there and just read it like a book. Uh, some of the manuals were very, very good too. You know, I just, you don't have that now, obviously. And, it, you know, it's just something you mentioned, Rick. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, getting the manual and reading it is is especially for a Game Boy because in a way it was better than the Game Boy because of the graphics on the Game Boy. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just like this is this is so cool. And um, just the – I remember getting a guidebook for MK2 and it was like I held on to it. I, I gripped onto that thing so tight because it was it – was, it had every fucking move in it, every fatality, and it just it was so fun learning everything. I mean, just briefly touching on my personal history from MK2, I mean, man, I could never get to this cabinet in my local arcade, even if I tried. And I don't know if I ever would want to, because I would just waste my money. I would just get my ass handed to me. I was never really um, cut from the same cloth as some of those other people that were playing it back then. This was kind of around the same time I met my childhood best friend, Max. And I've talked about him on the show before but his family immigrated from russia so they had no context for like what american culture was meanwhile uh my family and i talked about it on the mortal Kombat episode uh were policing me pretty hard as far as what i was playing as far as video games go you know i talked about mortal Kombat kind of being a contentious thing in the household but when i was at max's house and mortal Kombat 2 dropped it was anything goes. It, it didn't matter. And I was actually, you know, being what, like eight or nine years old at this point. Um, 
I was a little cavalier about just bringing, like, borrowing the game from Max and just bringing it home to play on my Genesis. And um, somehow I got away with it. The thing that really stood out to me with Mortal Kombat 2 was just how fucking cool it looked. It was so much more impressive than the first game, I thought. There's nothing in the first game that's very memorable visually aside from... Like, if I'm talking levels, like, maybe Goro's Lair is pretty cool. But aside from that, like... I, I mean, maybe I'm speaking blasphemous, but... Or blasphemy, but... Yeah, I, I don't think um, Mortal Kombat has very memorable stages. But I remember everything from this game. You know, the Deadpool playing as Baraka, like seeing Baraka for the first time. I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? Uh, the creepy trees and the living forest. And even the wasteland is pretty memorable because it's so like, it's got like these dark purples and shadows all over the place. And it's kind of like a, a barren stage, but there's something to it that's so different from anything else in that first game where it's just kind of like your traditional tournament stages and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, man, I, I have a lot of fond memories of Mortal Kombat 2, and it, it's so dense for what it is. Um, well, I guess until Mortal Kombat 3 comes out, but, um, well, I'll talk about Mortal Kombat 3 when I get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of jumped the shark a little bit with that one. Well, uh, yeah, I still love to come back to Mortal Kombat 2 on a regular basis as long as I've got, you know, somebody to play with. talked about the first game the entire episode actually became a massive deep dive into the history of not only the first game but the the series legacy and uh its impact and we left absolutely no time to actually do what we were just doing and talking talking about the game and how it's played and everything like that um i am going to kind of go through this real quick if there's any thing you guys want to bring up anything that makes your ears perk up and you kind of want to go off on uh, we can do that as for mortal kombat 2 it is a fighting game and it was developed by midway and well it was developed by midway and like six or seven other companies depending on what version you were playing but for brevity we'll just say it was midway and it was published by midway in arcades and Acclaim handled the console ports. Yeah, as far as the development for this game, Midway made a like a shit ton of money off the first game. And they were like, hey, uh, John Tobias, Ed Boon, you should make another one of those. And uh, I think somebody, uh, you spoke about, what's his name? David Craddock's book, yeah, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, Long Live Mortal you, Kombat. You talk- yep. You spoke about his book earlier, and I think one of the quotes in that book was, the reward of having a successful game is to getting to do it again. 
And that's exactly <laughs> what happened uh, with Mortal Kombat 2. And that's basically the development history. They just <laughs> they did it again. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what we'll make now. Executive comes down. You're making another Mortal Kombat right now. You have a year. <laughs> Get to it. <laughs> you know, they were very much like a victim of their own success because it sounded like they had uh, other projects they wanted to do as well. But then in the, yeah, in the end, they, they do love the franchise, both, you know, Ed, Ed Boone and John Tobias, but yeah, the, the, and they just came back with the same but better because, like you said earlier about the stages on the first one, is a bit earthly, very mortal, right? But then Outworld gave that opportunity to have a fucking Deadpool, to have a forest with faces on the trees that are alive, you know? Like, it, it's a fanciful different world that you could do shit like that in. And uh, I think that's where they, they really leaned into that um, on the second game. And even though, like... The music's better than the first one, but again, it's not It's not like Street Fighter 2 good, but uh, the stages certainly are, in my opinion. So Yeah, and aside from just the visuals and the story and stuff like that, they had an idea to keep the game as close to the first one as far as it, and keeping the, you know, just tightening up the, the mechanics and the, and the gameplay a little bit and adding some other stuff in there as well we can probably get into when we talk about the meta of this game, which I don't know too much about. That's all that's, that's your corner of the world demon. That's <laughs> for you to spill <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything about mortal Kombat two was literally like a step up from the first game. I know on the first episode, Neil made a pretty convincing argument for the first game holding up today, uh, still being fun to come back to. But when this came out, man, I mean, I think you said it earlier, Demon, like this kind of made the first game obsolete. Not not in the same way like Street Fighter 2 made Street Fighter obsolete because that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Street yeah. not even the same game. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I feel like it's pretty close. All I was going to say is as somebody that did not play MK1 as, as a kid and I'm just looking at it purely objectively, I I could not tell you a reason to choose one over two unless you specifically want to play as like Sonya or something who is the best character in the game apparently yeah in, yep. in yes. the first one yeah Kano and Sonya were cut from Mortal Kombat 2 because according to the arcade data that Tobias and Boone collected they were the least picked characters despite being the best uh, well Sonya being the best at least so how would they go about collecting that data do arcade machines store that yes yeah, so they they that is so cool. I had no idea. And they would just basically go to a few different arcades, get pull the data, or check it. And you know the, what they weren't obviously checking was a lot of people would just play the game, pick someone who looked cool, and then win a few stages, lose, and then move on. Right? They weren't looking at the meta. They weren't looking at the uh, competitive scene. They weren't because it was no secret Sonya was good even then. You know so. Um, but yeah, you're right. They just cut it because of that. They're like, and Kano, because Kano was the least popular character. Yeah. And just to give more context to not give more context, but kind of, uh, catch up on the Senate hearings and stuff that took place, uh, during Mortal Kombat's release. Um, so in the wake of the first game and, uh, basically on the precipice of Mortal Kombat 2's release, uh, Nintendo and Howard Lincoln were basically like in a really tough spot when it came to Mortal Kombat 2. Uh, especially when you consider publishers 
uh, were refusing to release games on the Super Nintendo at this point because of what happened with Mortal Kombat. And this also led to Electronic Arts at the time making a deal with Sega to exclusively bring Madden to the Genesis. Publishers at this time were really kind of starting to see how shitty Nintendo's policies were and how handcuffed they were to Nintendo if they were to have contracts with them. And so Mortal Kombat 2 did release with blood on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, and it's it's obvious that it's the superior version, right? As much as I want to defend the Genesis version, the Genesis version is good. The Mega Drive version is good. It's uh, It plays amazing. It actually plays faster than the arcade, but the sound, the visuals, they're not quite as impressive. What obviously held the the Mega Drive up at the time, though, was their ability to actually make the game that they wanted on it, right? Whereas... Super, like the Super Nintendo having a nerfed version effectively, even though it could have outperformed the Mega Drive version, really, as you said, frustrated developers. It gave them a bad reputation. And that one thing that's really interesting about that, that sort of talking about that in the book, was they even had to pre-buy cartridges from Nintendo to make sure Nintendo didn't sabotage the release either. So just to make sure they had enough units to ship because Nintendo really weren't cool with this, and and but they also had to bow to the pressure or they would lose the console war, right? So which had only just started to heat up because of the first game. So, you know, and thankfully because I remember renting MK2 for SNES and taking to a friend's house because he had one and it was a much more satisfying experience than... The first one when I when I stayed at my mate's house with the Super Nintendo and played the first Mortal Kombat. Fuck yeah, it was way better. It was as good, better than the Genesis version. You know. Yeah, I don't have a ton of experience with the Super Nintendo versions until we get to Ultimate Mortal Kombat three. There again, it was I think just I just fell for the marketing when it came down to it. Right, I just fell for I fell for Sega's marketing. <laughs> saying that this was like the most adult console you could have nintendo's for babies so i'm like yeah i don't want to i don't want these baby ass and it games. is it play. is it is a baby console let's be real <laughs> especially here do you see what it looked like here it was colored and everything oh trust, I, yeah oh trust me i just did a an episode on yoshi's island the most baby ass game you could possibly <laughs> play on the super nintendo <laughs> so yeah i mean i i completely fell for that and um yeah, some would say I probably played the worst version of the two, but yeah, I mean, yeah, just diving again, going back to my personal history again, it's just I have so much nostalgia for this version of the game. It just felt so good coming back to. We did mention cut characters. Uh, they also added new characters. I wasn't sure if I wanted to put this in story or not, but we can just run them through them right now. I can uh, I can reiterate this uh, if if you know if the conversation goes this way, but the cut characters from the Game Boy version, just in case you're curious. Game Boy did not have Baraka, Johnny Cage, Kung Lao, Raiden, Kintaro, or Noob Saibot. Didn't have any of those. Holy shit. Uh, my, yeah, dude, my <laughs> first encounter with Baraka wasn't until PS2. Oh, wow. So you just had no yeah. idea an entire, like, OG character existed. That's insane. Well, my uh, a buddy of mine had, had uh, three, Ultimate MK3 for the Genesis. But by the time we were playing that, you know, uh, Shaolin monks and uh, what was what was the first one? Mythologies. Just, uh, 
Did that have Baraka in it? We didn't have that. I think they had like Baraka esque enemies in there. Uh, what are they? The Tarkatans? Yes. Deadly Alliance is what I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Uh, that was out at the time, but we were also still playing the MK3 on the Genesis because it's just very good. So that was my first encounter with Baraka. I had no idea the dude existed. I was going to ask you that, Rick, though, actually. I, it slipped my mind as the conversation went. I know the Game Boy didn't have every character, which is silly because most of them are palette swaps anyway. Yeah, it's uh, even the OST, if you look it up, it's only like four tracks, five <laughs> tracks, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's so stripped down. But yeah, if uh, if you're about to talk about those characters, you know, I, I have the list pulled up here. I can sure. list them off. Yeah, so they are... Uh, for boss characters, they got Shao Kahn, Kintaro, Baraka, which uh, Baraka's original concept was uh, a lot more like Cabal from Mortal Kombat 3. And then Jax and Reptile are now playable characters. Uh, Jax was supposed to be in Mortal Kombat, and Reptile, of course, being the secret character in that game. And then you've got Kung Lao, Katana, Melina and Shang Tsung, who is now playable uh, for the first time. Uh, so those are all the new characters. Uh, there was another female character that they cut who was supposed to be like a a kickboxer. And they also plan to have Striker in this game, and he was cut. And, you know... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Some some would say he should have stayed cut. And then as far as secret characters goes, uh, we've got Jade, Smoke, and Noob Cybot, which, you know, Reptile may have been the first secret character in all of Mortal Kombat. But Mortal Kombat 2 is basically when Tobias and Boone would kind of just fuck with each other behind their each other's backs and uh, create secret characters and not tell one or the other. Which is interesting, right? Because the less the developer knows, the less the public knows about the characters and that's the whole thing about mortal Kombat is just like the mystique about it i mean one of the things they added in mortal Kombat 2 were fat fatalities they added more fatalities every character has two fatalities now so if you're on the playground you know talking to your friend and they're like oh i just you know i saw a reptile eat a guy's head and you're like well no i saw a reptile spit acid on somebody and they melted or whatever. I don't even know if that's one of his fatalities, but so there's kind of this back and forth of like, oh, I saw this and I saw that, but nobody really knew how to get get that to actually happen in their version of the game. Yeah, well they deliberately like like you said, they hid stuff from each other for fuck's sake. So how how is the public supposed to know what's real and what's not? And all the boss fights like that you could do, that they're all like the first Mortal Kombat reptile fight was fucking bullshit there was no way you're figuring that out you know like even with the clues right but in the second one you know you could accidentally not block and then finish a low kick before the question mark and then next thing you know you're fighting jade i think it was jade yeah and then um or or on the forest with when with the toasty right you press down it oh no on the portal stage on the mega drive i think it was if you haven't lost you do an uppercut you know, um, Dan Forden says toasty, and then you do the downer start, and you're fighting against Smoke or New Cybot. You know, they were far more <laughs> exactly far more easy to perform than in the first one, and they just lent into all the rumor and mystique. And, and in fact, like you said, they just didn't even tell each other what was going on. 
I would have never figured out how to fight smoke uh, as a kid just because like, I mean, that that's that seems very what what do you call it that I it does not seem obvious. And I, I kind of remember the window to pressing down and start to fight smoke whenever Dan Forden pops up and yells toasty. I remember the window being kind of small. It was. Um, that was one of the hard, that was the hardest one to discover. You wouldn't accidentally discover that one, but you could discover the winning twenty five fights in a row or fifty if you had the Mega Drive version. And for whatever reason, they fucking screwed you there. And it would be it would be versus two player or against the uh, the CPU. But the the not blocking one with a low kick, you could totally accidentally do that one because I was one of those people who just like fuck blocking in Mortal Kombat. You know, I'm just gonna not block. You know, <laughs> so I think a lot of, um, yeah, the, that one, obviously I had the book, the book had fucking everything in it. I knew what, I knew what to do, but when that one with Jade, that's one you could stumble upon, you know, um, whereas Reptile come down every now and then telling you to look to La Luna and be perfect and fatal. Yeah. It, it, even Make if sure you, you only do it during it, daylight savings time. <laughs> yeah. And there has to be a witch flying over the mo- But even if you. Right. Knew all that. It's still hard to do to get perfects and do fatalities and stuff. Yeah, I knowing how to unlock the characters, or at least knowing how to fight them, even in present day, I still can't pull it off. It's still very hard to do. Oh, exactly. To do it at the arcade as you, well, like Jesus. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it it could be easier if you had a second player and you're just like, okay, we're gonna unlock smoke today, so I need you to help me with this and set this up, you know? But I feel it was like more of like something you had to earn to make it really feel special, you know? 100%, yeah. But the cheat codes were in all the home console, uh, home console ports too, which was cool, except the, the first one on the SNES. But in M- MK2, I'm pretty sure the SNES had cheat codes and options and stuff just like the Mega Drive. And yeah, all of a sudden you can just punch them once and they die or, you know, it's just... And you could, um, with the Game Genie, I think it was, you could fight as the boss characters, but you couldn't fight as them in the, in the uh, you know, obviously in just a cartridge straight in the console. Not until Trilogy. No. As for the release date for Mortal Kombat 2, um, well, it has a lot. It has a lot of release dates depending on, again, what version you're, you're playing. Um, but I'm just going to keep it to the arcade release dates and, of course, uh, the two best-selling consoles at the time, the uh, Super Nintendo and the uh, Mega Drive. So Mortal Kombat 2 was released in November 1993 in arcades and September 9th, 1994 for the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive, if you're fancy, and Super Nintendo. Since then, it has been ported to, of course, the Game Boy, Sega Saturn, Sega 32X, which, Demon, you have in your notes is the best version of the game, apparently. The Sega Game Gear, Sega Master System, PlayStation, PC, the Amiga, <laughs> question mark, and Android. And PS3. Oh, did I miss PS3? Yeah, they okay, done an yeah. arcade port on uh, Yeah, I got it on my PS3. Yeah, that's the arcade port. But yeah, I mean, like you said, they keep releasing them until obviously recently. But yeah. Review scores for context because we are not professionals. Uh, again, keeping it to the uh, Genesis Super Nintendo ratings here. Uh, but overall, Metacritic has it at 72 out of 100. Electronic Gaming Monthly for the Super Nintendo has it at 8.25 out of 10. And the Genesis version, uh, a point lower at 7.25 out of 10. Fucking Famitsu, 
Super Nintendo, they gave it a 28 out of 40. The Genesis gave it a 22 out of 40. GamePro gave the Super Nintendo version a perfect score, 20 out of 20, and gave the Genesis version a 17.5 out of 20. So Super Nintendo version heavily favored, which is really no surprise. Yeah, rightly so in this case. You know, not always, but in this case, yes. Uh, Generally, the sound and the visuals on the Super Nintendo was better. And when it wasn't, you knew some were fucked up. So, yeah, but I mean, all the developers were just just exceptional in cases where the Mega Drive ports are better. But, yeah, I mean, uh, aside from two of those reviews, they're all very positive, right? And that's despite, as you mentioned in the yeah, a little bit earlier was the AI was fucked. That takes points off for me every day of the week. But it, yeah, if you're playing against your friends, obviously it deserves an eight out of ten. It deserves that kind of score. But yeah, the AI it was just so brutal, and you had to cheese it. And that's where like you did have to use like the meta characters like Melina and stuff like that to to really make sure you could beat the CPU on the harder difficulties. I'm honestly surprised that Famitsu reviewed this game. Because it is a Western developed game, I wonder if that factors into their score because it's a pretty shit score. They scored both versions very low. <laughs> that's that's the one that was not very favorable, so Yeah, well if I'm not mistaken, it's still banned in Japan. Mortal Kombat. I didn't yeah, know it was banned no at all. Yeah, it's been yeah. Yeah, it's um you can't get Mortal Kombat eleven, you can't get Mortal Kombat one. I don't even you, don't think you can get Mortal Kombat 10 or uh, yeah it's all banned I'm pretty sure it's all the decapitations and dismembering the limbs that's a big big no-no in Japan apparently obviously like they've got their quirks just like the Germans with drug use and games and stuff like that but yeah it's um yeah for whatever reason that can't get past the senses and I I don't think they might they don't give a fuck NRS they're like no we don't care we're gonna make a game it's gonna be the game we want to make and we're not changing it well, I mean, it was banned in Australia, Mortal Kombat 9, for a while. Yeah, you guys didn't have Grand Theft Auto for a while either. Yeah, um, which one was it? It wasn't San Andreas. It was the, it might have been 3. But yeah, the Vice City and San Andreas came out on schedule. But yeah, there was a few that got banned real early. And then, then um, that was enough, was enough. And then they put an R rating in and that sort of thing. But Mortal Kombat 2, I, I, you see those, they're kind of salty reviews, those ones, right? They, they clearly, um, unfairly, yeah, they're really harsh on MK2, especially since, you know, it is a superior version of the first one and it is the Super Nintendo delivering the best port. You would have thought that they'd uh, really pump that up for as much as the 32X was the best port because of the Saturn had the loading times for Shang Tsung and it just didn't play as smooth. Um, It looked better, obviously, had better music because of the CD, but you would have thought they'd pump their own version up at the very least just to get people to buy it there instead of on the Mega Drive. And then we have... To wrap these uh, reviews up, McGirt on Amazon, our friend McGirt, gave it a perfect 5 out of 5. Also adding, the game is awesome. It's a big step up from Mortal Kombat 1. Mortal Kombat with the number 1. It's a very confusing review already. All Genesis owners know what I mean. Better graphics, more fighters to choose from, etc. Excellent game for the kids or for adults to play with the kids. My son is five years old, and he loves Mortal Kombat 1 and 3, so I had to make him happy and get the only one he didn't have, which is Mortal Kombat 2. So now we have the complete collection. We're both satisfied. 
great game. <laughs> what I love about this review is that you were being very kind to it uh, by glossing over the complete lack of punctuation. Instead of reading it like, the game is awesome, it's a big step up from Mortal Kombat 1, all Genesis owners know what I mean! Ending like with, I really, <laughs> with that explanation. Yeah, point. there's passion I really need in that. Wild, dude. Thanks, my yeah, I really need you to come that come on and just to read the these reviews that I find these <laughs> random reviews I find on the internet, Rick. That was perfect. That was. I, a, I also. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say, Rick, that was a, you. Did you certainly nailed it? Because I was reading it, we're like, what the fuck. <laughs> Sliding into the retro recollections portion of the show, which uh, you, dear listener, can contribute to as well. All you got to do is look for the, the call on social media, Instagram, Twitter, or X, whatever the hell you want to call it, Blue Sky. Hell, if you're a patron, you can get in early on the retro recollections as well. I had to maybe choose an easier name to say for me. Speaking of patrons, let's start with the patrons. Chris Copline has this to say. I loved Mortal Kombat 2. I spent hours and hours playing it at the Children's Center during the summer. Interesting place to have Mortal Kombat 2, I would say. <laughs> Learning all the fatalities and special moves, I was one of the best in the group. We were so into Mortal Kombat 2 that there was even some Mortal Kombat cosplay going on. Eventually, Street Fighter Alpha would displace my enthusiasm, especially after 2 came out. But this game was the first game that got everyone off the Street Fighter 2 Express fully, as for the most part, it was a better and more fun game. My main was Katana, in case you care. And then he also put in um, the code for her fan toss, I believe, which is Backback High Punch. We, did, we didn't go over mains for, for us, did we? No, we didn't. We did not. May I offer, uh, mine was always Reptile. Because uh, he could turn invisible, and as far as I was concerned, that was the greatest move in the game. Uh, it did not matter that I did not know how to control him when he was invisible. It just mattered <laughs> that he could do it. <laughs> yeah, because the problem with Reptile's invisibility is that you also can't see him on the screen. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> And the acid spit is the only way to make so, figure out where he is, right? So you'd have to do the acid spit or the orb or whatever, because I used to main him as well, and I thought that was awesome. And it didn't work on the CPU at all, because obviously CPU is not looking at the screen. So, you know, like you're right. It was just cool. He can be invisible. We're all fucked. I can't see him. You can't see him. Like, we're still, like, my real main didn't hit until, ult I think, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3? Because you can't play as Jade in this. I've always loved playing as Jade. Uh, so I, the last two games, I've just played as Raiden. Because I'm like, I've never really played as Raiden before. So that's just who I'm going to play <laughs> for the first two games, at least. Raiden was, Raiden's pretty good. But I think in the end, to have a solid MK2 game, you did have to have a good Melina, right? Uh, yes. Because she was top tier in this and... Uh, you know, I liked Scorpion and he was okay. Like he was good against human characters and stuff, but against the CPU, you just couldn't land a spear on him. 
but and he was he was cool, but yeah, I, in the end, it was for me, it was reptile too, just like Rick saying it. You know, I just thought because he was a secret character in the first one, and he's just so cool. He was different enough from the other ninjas, you know. And um, yeah, his fatalities were fucking brutal, and yeah, yeah. It's no wonder why Chris was so attached to Katana, not for any other reason that she was, yeah, one of those S tier fighters, right? Uh, it's either her or Melina. Uh, as far as the best characters in the game, so had nothing to do with her outfit. I, I had a I had a buddy when we were kids, you know, growing up, going through you know puberty as as children do, and uh, <laughs> I learned very quickly that if I picked Katana while playing him, he would purposefully lose because he didn't like the idea of hitting a lady he thought was pretty. So I was like, oh, I could use this to my advantage. <laughs> wow. Well, I a- don't know if that's sexist or not. Also, like, <laughs> what, kind yeah. of, what kind of strategy is that? <laughs> it's a poor strategy. <laughs> it works it's a good out for strategy Rick. by you, Rick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's a good strategy yeah. by Rick. <laughs> but, but your friend, like... Yeah. He clearly doesn't want to win. You used his controllers? <laughs> I don't think well, we're he that old, yeah. man. <laughs> he could have picked. He could have picked Melina, as in, uh, and then he wouldn't have that issue. Or Shang Tsung and just do the morph. Now he's all kinds of yeah. confused. That causes oh, trauma right. yeah. ten years down the <laughs> line. <laughs> oh, and um, Shang Tsung being playable and being made younger was a bit of a bastard strike in this game too. I thought. And you see his Kintaro fatality, where you have to hold the fucking button the whole fight, or for twenty seconds or whatever it oh, is. Oh no! I know there's no, a lot that? of. He had a third. Oh. This wasn't a rumor. He had a third fatality. You hold the, uh, I think it was two, uh, two buttons. I, I can't remember which ones they were for 20 seconds. And then you just let go of them when it's finishing. And he turns into Kintaro and he um, stomps the fuck out of, I think he rips rips them apart as well. You'd have to look it up, but it's real. It's a real fatality. It wasn't, it was a rumor that was true. I've never heard of that. I didn't know until I was doing research for the game that Raiden has a special fatality called a Fergality. Which I have no idea what that means. I don't know what the context is. I'm not but aware of it either. Frugality just makes me think of the Black Eyed Peas, honestly. <laughs> We've got Hank Parker, Pro Bass Fisher, who says the Genesis version of the game is brutal, but it was the version I had because the blood code from the first one led me to keep buying the Sega versions. Yeah, if you, if you get on the ground floor early, as I did, you know. Genesis again seemed like it was for adults, yeah. right? So you're gonna buy all the rest of the games for the Genesis instead of the, the Nintendo. Poppy the Keaton says, My friends and I were in middle school when this one came out. We were playing it when younger nephew wandered in. Thinking fast, I did a babality. He loved it. So I just started doing babalities. When my aunt came in, nephew looked up and said, quote, Keaton is turning people into babies. End quote. Aunt just left. (laughs) (laughs) Genius. Red Fox says, Mortal Kombat 2 on the Sega Genesis is not only one of my favorite games of all time, but the style and aesthetic is damn near timeless. It's also got one of the greatest cartridges in gaming. I don't know how to describe it, but when I think Mortal Kombat, I think of that cartridge. Yeah, man, I think the logo for this game with the the clouds and the thunder or not thunder the lightning with just the logo front and center and it's just 
Mortal Kombat 2. That's just some classic gaming artwork right there, in my opinion. Yeah, and this is where I'd give the Mega Drive port, you know, some credit because that the opening on the Mega Drive port is better. It doesn't have that big lightning strike at the end there, but it, it just the the way it um, has the music and then it just stops and, and then comes together yeah. and got the logo there with all the clouds and the lightning. Yeah, I mean the 32x takes it further because it has the better it has all the sound effects that it should have and it has the lightning as well. But yeah. The, that intro, even on the SNES, like even though, like I said, it doesn't have all the music and the build up, it's it's just so much cooler than the first game. Toby Von Doom says the first interaction with Mortal Kombat Two was at a local fast food chain in North Texas called Taco Casa. They had both Mortal Kombat One and Two on arcade. Mortal Kombat Two is still one of my favorites. I even had the strategy guide so I could do all the fatalities. And finally, Nathan Green says, playing this in the arcade when it came out blew my mind. New characters, better graphics, more blood. I was obsessed staying at the arcades nearly all day to take control of the machine. Console ports are faithful, but flawed, acceptable. Those versions lost its magic when the cheats became available and the secrets were spread around. Or secrets were spread. Sliding into this story and plot here, which, you know, on the last episode, we did not talk about the story of Mortal Kombat or the overarching story or anything. I don't want to get too much into the weeds because we could be here for another like three hours talking about just just the story of these games. I do have the opening text scroll here. So when you guys played this game, again, Rick played as Reptile. Demon, you said, oh, I forgot who you said you played with. Reptile as well. Reptile as well? Yeah, Reptile, um, yeah. So again, I played with Raiden. I do want to read these endings because canonically, Liu Kang wins the first game, right? So obviously this game takes place directly after the first one. And the too long didn't read is uh, Shao Kahn gets really pissed and he wants home field advantage for the next tournament. And so the setting goes from Earth, Earth Realm, right? Earth Realm. And changes it to, correct me if I'm wrong, Outworld. Correct. Does that sound yeah. right? Yep. Outworld? Okay. As far as the endings go, so if you beat Mortal Kombat 2 with Reptile, it says, Reptile has always loyally served as Shang Tsung's protector while maintaining a very low profile in the first tournament. He discovered Shang Tsung's plot to force the remaining members of his near-extinct race into slavery into Shokan's rule. Yep. Reptile then devises a plan of his own. Obviously, as they're, as they're um, showing the story in these crawls, there's pictures, and I do not remember this at all coming up in Mortal Kombat 2, but it is Reptile without his mask on, and he just straight up looks like a dinosaur man, and it looks so fucking stupid. Yeah, well, we didn't have those on the Mega Drive version. We just had the text, right? Um, right. The arcade, right. Uh, the arcade version did, and the, I think the SNES version had the big intro with the story where the Mega Drive didn't. But yeah, those pictures were not on the Mega Drive so version. He enters the Outworld tournament, 
defeats Shao Kahn and turns against Shang Tsung, ending his master's scheme. Now the race can live in their own peaceful existence. Again, we are just fleshing out the story more and more. You know, the first Mortal Kombat was just a straight-up tournament. Like, it really leans heavily into Ed Boon and uh, John Tobias's what they grew up watching and stuff like the Kung Fu movies and stuff like that. Blood sport, right, exactly, basically, yeah. right? <laughs> and I, I yeah. feel like with this game, it was the first one that really took that, you know, traditional tournament story and did something completely different with it. And just with Reptile right here, like this dinosaur man who has his own <laughs> race and everything is, um, it's interesting. I, I think it's really cool able to do with that you know very simple premise because it's hinted at the the bigger universe is hinted at in that first game but they don't really do much with it again they didn't expect to make a sequel at all no and then making it shang sung to be the puppet rather than the puppet master you know like it was pretty cool as well because then you you obviously got that bigger bad well it's interesting because they originally wanted to make a star wars game so it's a very star wars thing to do where it's Darth Vader, you think Darth Vader's the big bad, but no, it's the Emperor. Yes, like, wait, is someone he's scared of? You know? Right. It just makes it seem more ominous. And, you know, the idea of going, well, what are we going to do? They're supposed to have a tournament every hundred years or whatever, and you've got to win ten in a row. What, what the fuck do we do to make a second one? So, obviously, that double or nothing, like, you know, come to our world, have another tournament. If you win, we'll never ask again. And then kidnapping Sonya and Kano, why anyone would care about Kano being kidnapped, who knows? But That was one of yeah. the reasons as a kid why I was so into the Mortal Kombat movie that came out, uh, the one in the 90s with Robin show, was because it like it expanded on the lore and the story. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I'm actually getting to see what's going on here behind the scenes. Like when I'm not in a fight, you know, climbing the tower to get to Shang Tsung and win or Shao Kahn, whoever. Yeah, I still like those movies. They're not good. There's been worse attempts, hey? (laughs) Especially Annihilation. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. The first one's all right, hey? Like, Annihilation is, uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's not great. But I I don't mind them either, you know? it's And I think what was um, really magical about that time was we didn't get good explanations. We did have to use our imagination. We did get drip-fed bits and pieces. We... They couldn't stick a full-blown story mode in a game, you know? So that's all we got. And having a movie about it was just amazing, you know? It's like, wow, we get to actually explore the universe now, you know? And it's a, I totally agree. That those few movies, even though they weren't great in their implementation, they were still amazing because we never got anything like it that. It also gave us the most cursed version of Goro I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, man, isn't that Stan Winston? Isn't that one of his puppets? Oh, I don't know. I just... I have no idea, uh, but listeners at home, just look up the fight between Goro and Johnny Cage, where Johnny Cage gives him a swift punch to the nuts. It's great. It's so funny. Those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. Because Johnny Cage is that great character where he's goofy, but he's still competent, right? Yeah, 100%. That's that's the thing, too, about Mortal Kombat. It bears repeating that I just, another thing that didn't draw me to Street Fighters, there didn't seem to be like any semblance of a story. Like even when you look at the environments of Mortal Kombat, it's kind of telling some sort of story. Whereas Street Fighter is just like, all right, I'm fighting at a fish market now. All right, I'm fighting at the docks. All right, now I'm fighting at um, um, an army base because that's 
where Guile lives, basically. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, I don't want to say bland environments, but um, I guess uninspired, sort of. Whereas Mortal Kombat is just, I'm, I think Mortal Kombat 2 just has some incredibly memorable stages, and they're telling a story there, whether or not it's obvious or not. It's it's there. It's li- At least that was their intention. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they wanted to tell a story, whereas I feel like Street Fighter was about we, we're going to have good music, we're going to have detailed stages. They're not going to need to make, you know, like contextual sense. They're just going to, there's a military guy, it's a military base. There's a, you know, sumo, sumos have baths, put them in a bathhouse. That's very Japanese. You know, like that, that's that's kind of what it felt like to me. Oh, as a boxer, Las Vegas has got lots of fights. Let's have it there. You know, like I felt like it was sort of, yeah, like you said, that they, they look good, but they don't like, there's no story really being told by going from one to the other, right? You can see the graduation between the stages in Mortal Kombat. You can, you know, they're not owned by one character or another, you know, like they just are locations. And when you look at the way they tell the newer games, they really do weave that in very well, right? And um, I think Street Fighter never really put any effort into that. You know, obviously they went first too. And when you look at, at main characters, there's not a lot to Ryu really, is there? Like He's, he's, a, chosen he's a karate one. guy, essentially. He's, a, he's, either, he's the birth of the Shoto. He's the marquee character who's going to win the whole thing. Um, but his story isn't actually that. You know, with, without Ken being woven in and Akuma and all that, his story is really boring. Is Liu Kang's story boring? No, I think because Liu Kang is the, is the trope and they know it, right, and they flaunt it. Where, and then obviously it's the characters around Liu Kang that are sort of the re- real stars in a way. But they've done wonders with Liu Kang in the newer games, making him a god and all of that stuff, and the way they've done it is really cool. But I, I think... Liu Kang was clearly that. Here's our Bruce Lee character, and we know it, you know? <laughs> so we're not trying to pass it off as our idea. We're not trying to, you know, he's, he's, the, he's the Shaolin Monks guy. He's going to win it, but look at all these other great characters. And his art gets more interesting. And they even kill him off. Like, they ain't killing off Ryu. No, he just becomes evil or gets cloned or something. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why there's multiple yeah. reuse in that universe. Yeah. That was so insane. I, I, don't, I don't need to divert over to Deadly Alliance, but that was so insane for the first Mortal Kombat PS2 game, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, uh, to open with the main character getting killed off just immediately. That was insane at the time. Spoilers for Mortal Kombat 11, I guess, if nobody's played it. I'm, I'm assuming we all have here. Oh, yeah. I, I don't really remember much of it, but yeah, I have. You remember the ending? Like, vaguely. <laughs> you know what happens to Liu Kang? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. I thought that was lame. I thought it was lame that he just basically became Time God. He just becomes New Raiden, right? But his, yeah. um, his portrayal in, this, in MK1 is actually kind of cool, right? So, but yeah, you're right. It's sort of like, uh, you're New Raiden. In fact, you're New, like, Time Lord. Yeah, right. In fact. Right. We'll take it even further and you, you control time now. Good job. Uh, last question I have as we wrap up the story here. Is Mortal Kombat actually a tournament? Because there's no brackets or anything like that. Yeah, they've never explained how it works, have they? Ne- well, they don't need Street Fighter either. Yeah, never, yeah, or any so. real other, like, look at fucking Tekken. It's even crazier. It's like, do they put their names in hats and pick them out? Do they, like you said, there's no, seemingly no bracket. It's just, here's a tower, fight everyone. I've just always assumed that was just a hardware limitation, you know? 
like this is the way that it's easiest to program it and get it running tower yeah so. uh, probably you're right it's it, this is good as uh reason as any so you, I, I think you're probably bang on there's just how do they explain it and set that up just put a big line of characters and away you go bosses at top and <laughs> And then when we want to try to tell a story, we'll make Sub-Zero <laughs> mythologies, and it's going to be great. <laughs> Sliding into the gameplay here, I don't really know how much there is to say about the game. It's a uh, a 2D fighting game, now in regards to the first game, which was pretty bare bones aside from the fatalities and stuff. That first game did have mini games. Uh, they had those extra rounds in there too as well. The mini games and the endurance rounds were cut from Mortal Kombat 2. Um, because one of the complaints was that it just kind of ruined the flow of the game. I mean, we were talking about whether we preferred D-pads or fight sticks earlier. And I'll just reiterate here in case I decided to cut that conversation is that, you know, growing up playing with D-pads and stuff like that, it felt good to play Mortal Kombat 2 with a D-pad. Cause again, I really don't remember playing this in arcades. And if I did, um, I didn't spend a lot of time with it. So. It just felt natural to play with a D-pad. Now, if I'm playing a modern fighting game, I do prefer the fight sticks. Yeah, since you brought it up earlier, Rick, why don't, why don't you kind of um, either reiterate what you said earlier or um, flesh that out a little bit more? I mean, the the gist of it is this. I mean, I, I grew up playing fighting games on the Saturn. That's a D-pad. Uh, Mortal Kombat 2 on the Game Boy, D-pad. And even into the PlayStation 1 with the Mortal Kombat 4, uh, Street Fighter EX2 Plus, which I, I have no idea if that's even a good game or not, but regardless, um, it's just always been D-pad. To this day, I'm I'm garbage. I played Mortal Kombat on one of those um, one-up machines, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, like the mm -hmm. mini arcade machines. Trash. I, I can't win. I'm so bad with a fighting stick of any kind. And I know, um, I, I know it's probably, there's probably an argument like, oh, well, it's uh, less, uh, what do you call it, less effort. It's more efficient to use a fighting stick. Maybe, uh, but it just, I can't, I will never feel comfortable. I would much rather do quarter circles on a D-pad, like any day of the week. But with Mortal Kombat, obviously you don't need that. You, you All of the special moves and fatalities are just cardinal directions, up, down, left, right, uh, up, down, forward, back. You know, even jumping, I mean, it's not that hard to just press up and forward or up and back. I don't know. I don't know. I, uh... I if if anybody ever offers me a fighting stick, I will turn it down if at all possible. Well, uh, the fighting stick thing, like with Mortal Kombat, like I, I was sort of getting on earlier, it's it's definitely des designed to be more D pad friendly, at least unintentionally and now intentionally. But I mean, for for me, I I grew up on the D pad. I obviously you can play as much as you want in your own console in the arcade. You're limited by you know your parents pockets right and um games here weren't a quarter they were always a dollar right so you weren't playing very much unless uh, you get like a super session where you pay 10 bucks and can use all the games for 20 minutes or half an hour or whatever right which is what me and my brother would do sometimes and play these games over and over and over again but over the years i have come to prefer the fight stick for some games not mortal kombat though so like street fighter Blaze Blue, those those sorts of games. I do uh, Tekken even. I, I do prefer the um, fight stick for one reason only though, because your hands do last longer on the uh, you know with the fight stick. They, they you know if you're doing these difficult movements on the D pad, you know like 
you do get cramped up hands, you do get calluses on your thumbs, you do, you know, like unless you play the claw grip, which I do with tech. And I think I, I, am I better on a controller? I think I am. But, um, when I'm just casually playing, I really do reach for the fight stick these days. Um, but like I said, I, I mean, I've gotten to the point where I'm okay on both. I think it's just a lot of reps, you know, a lot of time. Um, you know, it's just like fighting on the left hand side of the, sc- or the right hand side of the screen. A lot of people used to have trouble with that and it'd be this mad race to try and get back to the left hand side. You just got to do some reps. You, you got to put the hours in and it's not for everyone and you don't have to use them now. The, the fight like pads are amazing. I've got these Hori fighting commanders and they're, they're, they're brilliant, you know. And if I really wanted to win and I wanted to play my best, I, I think I'd still go for the game pad over the fight stick. It's just more a comfort thing. That's the thing too. I, I do need a nice third party fight stick. And then I think I could easily be swayed the other way. But um, I mean, as it goes for Mortal Kombat 2, I, I just, it felt comfortable. I felt 100%. At home. And a lot of the pros, like surprisingly, oh, they spent a lot, you know, they, they, well, not surprising, I guess, seeing how long they, how much time they spent in arcades. They really struggled with the gamepad. But I felt this game played, you know, I'd play it still on, on a controller. I've got a satin controller that I can use on the computer. I, you know, I, I'd probably play this game like that, to be honest. You know, I think it's, it's perfectly, you know, suited to a, a, you know, a gamepad. Whereas I can see people having trouble doing like the Dragon Punch or whatever with a Super Nintendo D pad because of edges and things. And I, you know, and it's just, I can see people an argument there for that kind of move, but generally, I think the fact that that's what you had at home and used it all the time, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't think this sort of snobbery, fight stick snobbery that you see in the fighting game community is really that, ha, doesn't have a lot of weight behind it or merit because lots of people are playing on like controllers, especially Mortal Kombat. All the good players are. So, you know, I wouldn't play this with a fight stick except I think you buy a fight stick, they're not cheap. So it does kind of motivate you to get use out of it as well. But yeah. yeah. I've always been, um, like, I, I fully admit, by the way, that my bias towards the D-pad on games like Street Fighter, where you have to do the quarter circles and half circles, I know that's less efficient. I, I know it is. Uh, it just, you know, like like you just said, it, it comes back to what you know. I've always been interested, and I don't, I'm not going to derail too much, Keith, but I've always been interested in the, in the fight pads that replace the left-hand stick with digital buttons, you know, so you've, you can use all four fingers plus your thumb to do up, down, left, right. Uh, and then whatever the thumb is assigned to. It, it reminds me of those squeeze box accordions that don't have piano keys. They just have buttons on both sides. You know? Well, they're hitbox controllers, right? And they use them a lot in Smash yeah. mm-hmm. and they use them, yeah. I mean, I, they, people will argue they're better, right? And like you said, they're, they're probably the most efficient way. I just can't, you know, I just don't like them, you know? And obviously you've got to put time into them to get good on them, but. Yeah, I, I'd like you. Yeah, I take a less efficient thing I know, yeah, and can rely on over over you know trying to spend maybe thousands of hours just to get up to where you are with the controller, you know. And what kind of advantage do you get? It's probably so slim it doesn't matter, right? I I had also wondered too with those hitboxes. I I had wondered how many folks had switched to those just because of like maybe wrist issues, right? Because you don't have to worry about moving your wrist if you don't have a have a fight stick. You're just pressing buttons. You just use your fingers. No, and that's right. I think, uh, it, like I said about the fight stick, it just for long hours, long gaming sessions, it's just more comfortable. Yeah. But maybe this is even more comfortable still. And 
I'm all for stuff like this with accessibility. It's more, um, I, I don't, uh, like I said, the more people you can get playing, you know, like there's a uh, Broly Legs, he plays Street Fighter Five professionally. He doesn't have fucking hands. You know what I mean? So, and he can play Street Fighter. I mean, if it makes things like that easier for guys like him. I'm all for that sort of stuff, you know. It's more macros and stuff like that that piss me off with cheating and that sort of thing. Yeah. Not the hitbox people. I, you know, go for it if you want. Yeah, in my opinion, I don't. I don't feel it makes enough of a difference to to ban them or whatever. Oh, people are calling for them to be banned. Oh yeah, Street Fighter uh, Capcom banned them for the Capcom Cup. I'm pretty sure. Jeez. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a bit heavy handed because obviously they were not banning them in other games, but. I guess, um, you know, like it's up to them what rules they want. But like I said, I don't feel like, and it's not like you can't go out and buy one yourself, right? So, you know, it's it's a bit like um, when people are forced to play on gamepads who are used to arcades. I mean, you know, like you just have to overcome it if you want to want to win, and that's all you've got. That's all you've got, you know. Um, you know, but like like I said, accessibility is important because as you get older and you say you've got a manual labor job or something like that and your hands get arthritis, they get sore, you might want something like this. Well, I do want to circle back around to what even got us on this <laughs> conversation of D-pads and third-party controllers is the input of or the inputs of Mortal Kombat 2 and also touching on the fatalities as well. I could not perform a fucking fatality to save my life. I think I was able to perform... Well, I played as, again, I played as Raiden. I think I performed his one where he like holds, holds you up and like blasts you with electricity and like you explode or whatever. Um, but other than that, like it was difficult for me to pull off fatalities and I do not know why. Uh, did you guys have any issues with that? Dude, I'm so glad that you said that because, um, you know, we had been talking about this episode for a while and I went back and played it on the Game Boy and it was fine. Exactly how I remembered it. I took my Saturn over to a buddy's house with MK2 and I was like, hey, let's play, you know, Mortal Kombat. And and like just to be clear, like, you know, I mentioned like cracking a beer earlier. We didn't I mean, we did crack beers, but we played it before that and after that. It didn't matter. The timing window felt so short. I couldn't do a single fatality. And like I was looking at the list. It was like it was right there. I just I couldn't do it, man. It was nuts. They took a lot of work. Distance was really important, except for um, Scorpion's uh, toasty one he does, where he, you know, sets him on fire, pulls his pulls his face off. That that one was kind of loose, but the rest of them were really. You had to be in the right spot. You had to get the distance right, and you didn't really get two goes at it right. Some, if you stuffed it up quick enough, you could, but they were tough to do, and I can't do them as well as I could back then. Um, I don't know if it was the Mega Drive port was just a little bit more forgiving, but it gets worse in MK3 that you have fuck all time. I, I remember um, learning what the sweep distance for fatalities was. I remember learning that in MK4, and that's where I like kind of picked up on it. So did they increase the buffer zone for that then? Like, did they make it more user-friendly in the later 100%, games? 100%, yes. Yeah, so now they did it. I, so I think in 3, okay. they'll walk to the right spot if they're not in the right spot. You just have to be in the close enough. So, or they'll walk away if they have to. That wasn't in MK2. So um, MK2, it was a, even though you had more time than 3, it didn't correct your positioning. Whereas in the new 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 games, it's pretty easy. Like you just just have to be thereabouts and not fuck it up. Yeah, 
it doesn't matter if you do it super fast. It doesn't matter if you do it a bit slower. Yeah, because that, that was the other thing, too, that was confusing me was distance. Because I was like, well, how close is close? And how mid-range is mid, like, is mid-range too close? Am I standing too close? Like, where exactly is that, <laughs> you know? Well, sweep, sweep distance is, it, you could sweep and not knock them over. That's still sweep distance, right? Any further away than that, you're mid. And then obviously the easiest ones are the ones where you can be anywhere or, or far away, right? Or close is easy, but if you accidentally fuck it up and punch them, it's all over, right? So the far away ones, just go to the end of the screen and do it. And it should work. But yeah, the sweet distance one is one everyone always struggled with, you know, because, and because, you know, like you can't get close enough to actually try to sweep and f- figure it out because you don't have time. And if you sweep them, they will obviously fall on the floor and that's it. So you just had to sort of get a feel for it, I think, you know, and then Mortal Kombat 3 kind of made it a bit easier, but then they shortened the fatality window, which was harder in another way. So I'm glad that they made it easier because like, if I'm going to get beat by somebody or even the computer, or God forbid the computer, like make it worth my time. Like show me a cool fatality, you know? Yeah. And it's the ultimate diss, right? If you play online and you, you get a fatality done for you, that's them telling you they don't want to rematch basically. Wait, really? There's a whole etiquette behind this? Oh, 100%. All, all yep. I know is um, teabagging. <laughs> yeah. And if you teabag now and the new one, it does a taunt. So, which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, that was a, in competitive play, you just do a quick punch and it rematch, right? That's good etiquette. Or if you don't play anymore, it's not a bad thing. It's just if you played a full set and you just don't want to play anymore, you would end on a fatality or something like that. Um, to, but if you do a fatality after fighting someone once, it's kind of like, fuck you. Or a mercy is a big diss as well. It's like, you're so shit. I'm going to f- give you another chance. You know, what's the etiquette on a friendship or a babality? Uh, again, it's like a fatality. Same thing. A friend, yeah, yeah, same sort of. Maybe a little bit more of an, uh, like, you know, a diss. It's not me- mean or anything. It's just, yeah, some people, they get frustrated. They lose to you once to do a fatality, and you're like, okay, well, I guess you don't want to rematch. Well, you brought it up earlier about fatalities. Uh, so what are your some of your favorite fatalities from Mortal Kombat 2? Um, I actually, I like reptiles. I like, I used to do Scorpions 1 a lot. It was good that they had two, um, but really, I think my favorite one is it's got to be it's it's got to be the Shang Tsung hidden one, or yeah, like I said, reptiles one because at the end after he's done that, he just he does that, mm, and it's just funny, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, and every other one is just them exploding and there being fifty femurs and rib cages and shit like that. Like obviously, the female characters is always like a kiss or something like that, right? as was the uh, the era that the game was made. And then, um, yeah, Kung Lao's is, uh, you know, the, the, obviously Lao, it's the hat. But uh, Raiden toasting people was cool. Um, yeah, but that, that Shang Tsung one that no one knew about was cool. And, and uh, Luke Kang being a dragon and eating them. That was always the coolest one whenever we were kids. Yeah. My, my favorite was always uh, Sub-Zero doing the deep freeze and then shattering you. Um, but... The, in in two specifically, and this may have been just the Game Boy version making it look weird, but uh, Melina had a fatality where she would just eat you, like eat your whole body, and then spit out the bones, and it creeped me out as a kid so much. Oh, I, yeah. I hated it. It looked so weird to seeing a whole body go into another sprite. Out comes bones. It was so scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I was going to say that that one I forgot, I forgot about that one because it's basically katanas they explode right, and then the bones go. This one is the complete opposite. Yeah, and Sub Zero's was a two parter, which was cool, right? Yeah, that deep freeze one you're talking about, and there's a glitch where you can deep freeze them, then do a babality, and then you can uppercut the baby into the uh, into the acid pool or something as well. This is the greatest game so, of all time. The fact that they, I don't know if that's on purpose, but you can never rule that out with these guys, right? So, yeah, if you haven't seen that, look that up. That's the combination of the deep freeze, the babality, and then just because you get that extra hit because of the two-step fatality, you know, like that uppercut the baby. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that's pretty fucked up, but also like, wow, well hidden. I did just uh, look up Melina's fatality on the Game Boy version, and she sucks the opponent up like they are a... a a piece of spaghetti <laughs> and then turns around and yeah, just vomits up bones. It's, um, it is a little unsettling. <laughs> There's a lot of that consumption of the opponent in this game, isn't there? Yeah. yeah I guess there uh, is. I mean, Shang song literally invades somebody's body, I believe, and like explodes out of it. I think that's one of his. Well, in the stage fatalities, they added way more of them here too. And the acid pull one to hold down and low punch and low kick and then do an uppercut and, You've got well, them you, in the acid pool. You mentioned um, the pit two, which I definitely think is a downgrade from the first one. Yeah, it's like it, they were trying to show off the tech. Like I get it. There is something visceral about just hitting the floor. Eh, I, I don't know. There's something to the first pit stage with all the the pillars that are filled with spikes and people are hanging from them. And yeah, it was better, wasn't it? I thought. And but the spikes on the roof on the uh, it's usually the second level you play. That one's cool and they can fall off. And the rumor about the one in the living forest that they ended up making real in Mortal Kombat 10, you know, where you could uppercut them and the tree would eat them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that was it came out of the law from this game that, oh, you know, you can do that. And everyone's like, well, we don't know what the fuck you can do in this game because there's secrets all over the place. And, you know, and everyone would be like, nah, that's not true. But yeah, and they obviously, they ended up making that into a real stage fatality. Some of the, you know, just speaking to the visceralness of the pit stage, I... From the ones that I remember, I've always just thought like the simple ones were like some of my favorite, like even going back to the first game with like Kano just ripping somebody's heart out. And then with Mortal Kombat 2, like Baraka just like impaling somebody and then holding them, holding them up and then like just watching them slowly die. It's there's something I don't want to say like realistic or anything like that because this game is not very realistic at all. There's something to that. There's something in the simplicity of the fatalities that makes it far more effective than some of like the more goofy ones like Liu Kang turning into a dragon. Uh, is it Mortal Kombat 3 where he turns into an arcade cabinet? Yep. That's the one. And then Raiden comes out. But it's, uh, yeah, that, I agree with you. I think they overthink him sometimes. Brock has got giant big spikes on his arm. How else would he kill people? Yeah, like you said, even the, like, the Johnny Cage head uppercut one. And then in Mortal Kombat 11, he's got one where he, he fucks it up and he has to do multiple takes. That's just so funny. Like, that wouldn't exist if they didn't have a simple basic fatality, like a, you know, head uppercut. And it's so ridiculous. Why don't they just do that at the start of the fight? But like you said, it's something visceral about the old stick your hand in their chest, pull out a heart and just hold it up and it beats.
speaking to the silliness, I mean, this introduced, again, friendships and babalities. And these two things are so ingrained in the series now. And Mortal Kombat 2 kind of presents itself as sort of like a very, uh, for lack of a better term, serious game, as opposed to, you know, the first one and even the one that comes after this, Mortal Kombat 3. My question is, do you think these fit in this game? Yeah, I mean, in in retrospect, I I can see why they're in there, because that just, I mean, that's always been how Boone and Tobias have kind of been, and it's just we didn't know it until they set up that pattern. That it's like every game became like that. Uh, as a kid, I didn't know that these were in there. I just because I don't I don't think I ever had a computer do a babality on me or a friendship. I, I don't even know if that's possible. Do you, Demon? Um. So you're talking about friendships and babalities in this game. Yeah. Like, can can the AI computers do that to you? They can. Yes, they can. Um, They I don't know how often I think I've definitely had it done to me. It's a good question, actually, because it's like, yeah, the friendships and babalities of you, you know, like they were kind of out of place, but because, like you, like you said, it's sort of it's a dark, more serious, sinister tone in this game for sure. But the computer, I think, I think they can. They're just really rare, so I think there's just a variable with a you know sort of probability on it, and it's just doesn't happen much. I can't babality. I don't think I've had. I can remember being, but friendships, yes. Huh. You know, and for the record, I think the friendships in this game are kind of meh, right? They're seriously just there to middle finger to the uh, senses, right? But, um, but yeah, the the CPU can do them. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure they can. That's interesting. It's just I've, very rare. Yeah, I've, they're trying to keep it hidden, right? Yeah, yeah. I've never had it happen to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they are out of place, but I think that's what makes it cool, right? It's out of place because of the censorship issue. That's funny. Uh, and then Babality, that's just fucking silly, you know? <laughs> yeah, what was with that, hey? The only thing I can think of is if that glitch isn't really a glitch and that's put it in there purely for that. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't I don't care for the Babalities, to be honest. But the friendships have gotten good in the newer games. I, I think where they lost me was the animalities. That's where I was like, okay, this is a little bit much. But that didn't come into a whole ultimate mortal kombat 3 or just regular mortal kombat 3 no regular mortal kombat 3 has them yeah i, I um, that's where i was like eh, yeah i don't know about this and there's a lot more to them you got it all mercy and you know and the one of the things they fucked up is they made shiva a scorpion and then when scorpion came in he couldn't be a scorpion wasn't he a penguin but yeah he's a penguin yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it i i don't care for the animalities too much either and they've taken them out and the brutalities have changed. They used to be that big long combo where they explode into all the femurs and all the rib cages, but now it's now it's a finishing move. If you time it right, they just straight up die, and it's actually really cool. But um, yeah, the um, I don't think the brutalities are in vanilla Mortal Kombat three. But yeah, these finishes they get a bit carried away with them, right? But Mortal Kombat two, I think, was just like, yeah, let's just put more finishes in. Let's put you don't have to kill people. You can do a friendship, or you can turn them into a baby, you know, and. Yeah, and I think obviously they tried to keep that more of a rumor because now in in retrospect, I'm trying to think like when when did I remember being having one done to me? I'm pretty sure friendships, are, uh, yeah, like I said, I have to look it up because I bet you it's super rare. It's something me and my friends pulled on each other frequently because as a kid, we thought those were hilarious. And now looking back on it, 
and playing it, I don't know, maybe I've just grown to be more of an edgelord. But I'm like, these just kind of don't fit in this game. And again, I know why they're there. It's, it's as you said, demon. It's there to be a middle finger to the censors and the Senate and everything like that, but. Yeah, it's, they don't they don't fit really, do they? I mean, it's it's clearly ha- hacked in there to make a statement, and like like we kept saying, but and the stage fatalities though. What I loved is that on the Deadpool, they always do it. The computer will always yes. uppercut you into the acid. They can't help themselves. <laughs> no, that's a hundred percent one. That one. Yeah. Let's touch on the graphics, and I will start with you, Rick. And again, you played this on the Game Boy, um, but you also did play this on the Saturn recently. So what do you think about the graphics? Do you think they hold up? Was there anything that you liked about them specifically as far as like the setting and tone goes? I mean, I've always loved specifically with this era of games, the the decision to not go the Street Fighter route and use like real mo- motion captured actors. So I've I've always thought these looked so good. Um, yeah, the the Game Boy version looks like shit. I mean, it, I, time has not been kind to it. But playing this on the Saturn, it like it looks. Uh, Demon, I think in in your notes you wrote that it's the closest to the arcade graphics, and it shows. I mean, it looks it looks really great. I I really do love it. I I remember, and you know, my memory is not necessarily the most um, accurate when it comes to fighting games. I remember Ultimate Mortal Kombat three being more vibrant and colorful. But even still, like playing this on one of those little one-up machines or an actual arcade cabinet or on the Saturn, like I think it looks really good. I I really really do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's really it. That's really it. I I liked the variety of colors you got from the ninjas in the later games, like Ultimate Mortal Kombat Three uh, trilogy. That was really cool. But yeah, man, no, I I don't have any complaints visually at all. I think it's great. Yeah, no, I, I think it holds up, you know, especially if you are like a fan of, um, pixel, you know, style games, you know, like I think the way they changed the digitized graphics into the pixels on the home consoles was good. I think they did a really good job. Even the Mega Drive version, which is obviously limited by its hardware, it's, it's still, if you would have got that on the SNES, you still would have been impressed, right? So I think, um, the Saturn version looks pretty much arcade perfect. That's not what makes it not as good as the arcade it looks amazing too it holds up you know it looks as good that probably looks as good as umk3 does except for like rick saying about the environment of the colors and the environments and umk3 is uh, obviously more um there's more variety and it it does look a lot better but it should it's the third one right so but I, i think yeah that darker tone the contrasting like the 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 living forest, all the greens, and then you got all the oranges and fire color in the in the weapon, like your armory, and then you know you've got even the wasteland looks, you know, it's a wasteland, but it's still good. And I think the character sprites look really good, particularly on the Super Nintendo. I think graphically, it's it's still a very good game, and they, they did a fantastic job to take those motion capture sprites from the arcade and 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 you know represent them well on a home console. I think that that it's. One of the things that makes Mortal Kombat Mortal Kombat, especially these early ones, right? It's that was an approach that, you know, set them apart for sure. Dipping back into the development real quick, since the first game made Midway so much money, they were able to afford uh, new cameras for digitizing the, the actors. And it gave them cleaner output. And I also believe it gave them like a wider range of colors to work from. 
And yeah, I mean, it totally shows here, even like in the designs of the new characters, the designs look so good. The costumes look so much better than the first game. The first game's pretty just like, if you're a male, you're going to have your shirt off, I guess, unless you're Raiden or a ninja. And then, of course, the ninjas use the exact same costumes. They're just palette swap. This one, like, it looks like knives are coming out of a monster's arms. You know, Baraka's head looks absolutely terrifying. It, yeah, and the animations are very smooth. Everything just looks great here. I love the atmosphere of the game. I like the darker tone. I like that it's, you know, nothing about it looks very familiar as opposed to... It's foreign, right? It feels foreign, except the characters. You, They're in a foreign place. On a technical level, the game, the version that I played, rather, is a little worse for Rare because the graphics on the Genesis were a little bit harsh. Uh, they couldn't display as much colors as the other versions of the game. But again, I mean, it's like you said, Demon, earlier. It's um, a sentimental favorite. So I was like, yeah, even though Dan Forden kind of looks like shit on the Genesis, I'm like, that's the Dan Forden I know. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And that, any critis, any preference for the, for the Mega Drive I have is purely... <laughs> nostalgia driven I guess you know like the game plays faster on the Mega Drive but it's but that's not noticeable really once you get used you play a few rounds on on the arcade or on the uh, SNES version but some of the even the talk about it in I think Dave Craddock's book they talk about how they got the colors on the Mega Drive by combining visual uh, combining other colors to make it look like it was that other color mm. so they still had tricks they used to make these colors on the Mega Drive which is very clever yeah, you know? yeah, and I I feel about that era is when it didn't when a port didn't look better on the SNES, I I felt like that meant the better developers were on the Mega Drive. I think in a lot of video games that are on the Genesis, and not just how dirty and gritty they look, I would normally be like, "This looks like garbage. This is so dark. This looks hideous. I don't want to look at this anymore." Actually, works in favor of Mortal Kombat Two because it's already supposed to be a darker game. Yeah, right. It's supposed to be like that, hundred percent. And I think just that, just that. Even though having a like a white colored console with purple and fucking bright colored buttons and shit like that, it, it's it's just a weird thing to put a a Mortal Kombat cartridge into. You know, like the Mega Drive was dark, and it, you know, and like you said, it was the, it was a little. The sound was a little tinny, and the the graphics were a little grimier. You know, like it kind of f- suited it. And I think you know, like you'd have if you spray painted your Super Nintendo black, maybe, <laughs> or do what Killer Instinct did and just make a black cartridge. Oh yeah, you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. They should have done that. But uh, yeah, it's just I think um, yeah, I think they they still hold up on both. And uh, now that I've got some distance behind me in the console wars, I can I can give the Super Nintendo this one. So you kind of briefly mentioned the music there. You know, I kind of. Talked about it a little bit up top, but I think the Mortal Kombat games have a very subdued soundtrack. There aren't any memorable themes like you get in Street Fighter or the um, the SNK games. Uh, do you guys have any particular thoughts on Mortal Kombat 2's soundtrack? Um, it's it's good, but not great, right? I, I think it's sort of, it's not a standout. I remember some of the tracks from Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 a bit more, you know, fondly. I do know them all. I do hear them. I go, oh, that's the wasteland. That's that's the living forest. That's a, the intro music from the Mega Drive. I remember very distinctly. Uh, the even just the 
how how well suited is the is the Deadpool sound to the stage though? There's some that I'm like, yeah, this sounds really good. Well, the the forest, it gives the right vibe, but like you don't it you don't notice it though. Like the way in Street Fighter, you, there's real bangers that over sort of they they stand out above the gameplay and above the stage even like. Whereas in Mortal Kombat, they just don't really do that. I feel like they just sort of they do their job and they do it quietly. You know, ironically, and it's sort of um, that sounds like a bit of a paradox, but it, you know, they do it without screaming about it. They're not, oh, look, great music, great music. You know, whereas I, fi- I feel like sometimes games overdo it. But it, it, if anything, I'd compare it to like a Dark Souls where it fits perfectly with what's going on. But it's toasty, right? That's what you remember. Shit like that from this game. That's what? You remember Dan Fordham. You remember Dan Fordham coming exactly hundred percent. You, you remember Shao Kahn. You remember Shao Kahn's voice. You, you know. You remember the sounds they make when they're dying or they're getting uppercutted off the fucking pit. You know. You. This is what you remember more about Mortal Kombat. You remember every time you go to fucking uppercut the CPU, them throwing you, and then you hear that. Ugh, you know, like you, you. That's the sort of shit you remember from Mortal Kombat too. But yeah, I mean. Rick, Rick, and guide us in the tell us what we're trying to say with regards to like the music being perfect, but not no, yeah, too you prominent. Ex- you know, ex- explained it perfectly well. I, I think Dan Forden does a great job of staying out of the way when it comes to music. Right? You know, he's he's not trying to be Street Fighter too. He's not trying to be a Guilty Gear. It's just, I, I mean, where where these games shine to me is just the sound design. You know, yeah, Toasty, obviously that's iconic, but like. When you uppercut an opponent and it sounds like a bowling ball hitting a strike on pins that are 10 feet tall, that's mm. really cool. <laughs> or, you know, the sound of Sub-Zero doing the uh, his freeze blast, like all of that, or even the sound in this one of him doing the freezing the ground and you slipping and your character is like waving their arms trying to not fall over. Like the sound design in every Mortal Kombat, I don't, I don't think I've played a single Mortal Kombat game where I've thought that the music outdid the sound design. And I think that's exactly how it should be. You know, Mortal Kombat doesn't need like bangers of, of music of, you know, house beats or EDM or Shoji Meguro. It doesn't need it. It doesn't, you know, you want to hear the fists hitting the face. And I mean, even in Mortal Kombat too, it's great. It's, it's so good. Yeah, the SFX are the real, uh, the you know, the VFX and the yeah, the sound effects are the real star of Mortal Kombat, right? It's not the not the music. I don't sit there and listen to Mortal Kombat music on Spotify the way I would like Tekken or Street Fighter or whatever. But yeah, and staying out of the way is well is is a good way of putting it. He knew his job is is to do the game justice with music, but not try to go too over the top. Like Guilty Gear, obviously goes that's its thing. It goes way over the top with its music. But yeah, not that it's bad or anything. I like Guilty Gear just as much as anyone. But yeah, it's. I think that's a very good way of explaining it. Yeah, you guys. I mean, I'm basically going to reflect everything you just said. Also, add that it's very interesting that you you spoke so well of the um, sound effects, because when I think about how limited the consoles were back then, and thinking about the fatalities. And how some of them were so simple and that, you know, they kind of overthink them now. But I think that's because the technology allows them to overthink the fatalities. You needed good sound effects to really hammer home that you were actually doing something pretty visceral to your opponent. And that 
definitely goes a long way in this situation. The one thing I will say is per the version, of course, that I played, the Genesis version, uh, suffers from the absolutely dog shit sound chip in the Genesis <laughs> in that yes. the sound effects are sometimes just straight up missing, which is that I've had Dan Ford and pop up in the corner and I cannot even hear a single toasty sometimes, which is very disappointing. It's like shooting a blank. Yeah. And basically. I think, um, <laughs> and even the Mega Drive version, the, the, like you said, that there doesn't say fatality when you do a fatality. They've cut that. The, the Raiden's like, the thing he does when he does his torpedo isn't there. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff missing. And it's, it, like you said, it's glitched as well, some of it. But I just remember, I can hear the sound in my head now when you uppercut someone into the acid pool of the doodoop, you know, like even that, they didn't have to put that in, but they did because that's a noise it would make, right? So obviously uppercutting someone that nice crisp, like noise. Oh, yeah. It's you not what it would sound like, but right now. It just, it's satisfying. They know it's satisfying, right? And that's why they do it. And yeah, when you play the Super Nintendo version or the arcade version or even better, get the 32X version, on a ROM and play that, you that's like the Mega Drive one on steroids. It has all the voice effects and sound effects as they should be. But like Rick's got the satin version, so he has no problems with his sound or any of that. But it's just they the very satisfying special effect like voice like you know, voice effects and sound effects in this game. Very satisfying. You know, and, and they well done and it, it doesn't get noticed as much as it ought to for this era. Looking back at the Game Boy version, I was listening to the soundtrack before we started recording. It's um, and it's not long. I I can't remember if I said this off mic or on mic. It's like seven Jesus. minutes long. The whole thing. Um, it's very it's very charming hearing something that sounded good on the SNES being reduced to the Game Boy's <laughs> uh, like eight bit sound processor. It's it's interesting. At at the very least, like check out if you're listening to this, check out the main theme of uh, of MK2 on the Game Boy. It's, it's not as good, but like, there's something about it that's like, uh, it's, it's just very nostalgic. They made it I don't work. know. That's what I'm getting. Well, well for, they, they, imagine did, the poor guy did make it work. who has to do it, right? The person who gets given that job, they're like, Hey, uh, take, you know, this game that everyone likes. Um, it's got amazing music and everything. Uh, make that work on the Game Boy, please. Yeah. It's not going to sound like uh, Link's Awakening or anything, but it's still, it does, it does the job fine. Yeah, I've got a fondness for some of those um, Game Boy ports of fighting games myself. Like KI, KI is another one. I know it's subjectively bad, but it's all I had. <laughs> I didn't have a Super Nintendo. I had to play KI at my friend's house. So I had the copy on the Game Boy, so I played the shit out of it. So I understand that kind of nostalgia and love for the for what you know isn't the full experience, but it's not a bad experience. Like. Yeah, imagine trying to cut tracks and do that. It'd be hard. I also just love to, like, anytime they try to take, like, a percussive hit <laughs> from the SNES that sounds good and on the Game Boy, it just kind of sounds like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. <laughs> when they do voices on the Game Boy, it's hilarious.
Well, let's wrap this up by stating whether or not we would recommend checking out Mortal Kombat 2 in the year of our Lord 2023. And, um, I guess, you know what? I don't, I don't start first anymore. So I think I'm going to go first here. I'll start my summary out by basically saying that I think what they did to make Mortal Kombat 2 into like this no frills, kind of like a truly competitive 2D fighter, and then also expanding the roster and story through written visual language, uh, really puts this over the original game for me. It is mortal, early Mortal Kombat at its peak to me. And is what a lot of fighting games around the time kind of strive to be for the most part. And, and failed, right? I mean, you just talked about, I talked about, uh, Primal Rage not too long ago, which is like almost beat for beat what Mortal Kombat was, but with dinosaurs, you know? Um, I think this game informed the rest of the series from here on out. And it is my favorite Mortal Kombat. But with that said, I mentioned Neil earlier because I had him on, uh, the first game, the episode for the first game. And he made an excellent point about it in favor of his recommendation. He said that um, it's something that you sit down and play with friends. And I kind of want to apply that here in that this is something you have to play with somebody else. And this is the superior game in every way from the first Mortal Kombat. But I still cannot, in my heart of hearts, really recommend this game to anyone if this is something you're just going to play solo like it's rough like it's really rough you you need i guess no pun intended you need a component of friendship right to really enjoy this game uh which is what fighting games are all about right especially um you know in that early age of, of fighting games having uh another body there next to you but this is from 1993 Mortal Kombat came out in 1993. There are new Mortal Kombat games still coming out with the ability to play online. This just is not up to par with the modern tech. And so in that way, I don't think Mortal Kombat 2 really holds up that well. So unfortunately, like as much as I fucking love this game, again, it's it's a personal favorite. I, I think I'm just going to go with like a light not recommend. Like this is... I don't know, maybe check out a couple of the fatalities on YouTube. And, uh, you know, if you do happen to have a classic console or something or a retro pie or uh, one of those um, arcade one up things or something, and you've got some friends at over at a party. Sure. I feel the same way about this as I did the first game. So I think I will shoot it over to Rick next. I, I kind of feel similar, similarly to you just with a light yes recommendation like do i recommend this game in general yeah no question is it the best of the 16-bit mortal combats no no it's not i mean if you're only going to play one of them play one of the uh, mortal Kombat threes but i mean if you like these kinds of 2d fighters why why wouldn't you like just give it a shot it's 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 a lot of fun um like you said keith it's uh it shines with other people uh it it's not an amazingly fun experience if you're just playing against the computer because it goes it vacillates between mind-numbingly easy to fighting jade and never 
thinking that you're going to play video games again afterwards. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, this is it. Is it perfect? No. Is it the best one? No. Is it good? Yeah. 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 It's good. I. I. I mean, yeah. Play. Play the game if if you like Mortal Kombat. If you like 16-bit fighters, maybe don't play the Game Boy version. <laughs> maybe play the uh, 32X or Saturn if possible. SNES is good too. Uh, Master System. Master System, Mega Drive is good too. Genesis, Mega Drive. I still don't really have those straight <laughs> in my head, to be honest. Raging Demon, take us home. I uh, I had agree with pretty much all of those all of those opinions. Like, uh, to be honest, it's a light recommend if you play human v human. The CPU is completely bro- completely busted, and you know, like you were not going to have a good time. Once you get near that question mark, even on the easy difficulties, the input reading becomes unbearable. And then the cheesing to win doesn't feel good, right? So I think, you know, that's its biggest shortcoming. The rest of it's great. And especially if you're not a fan of combo heavy fighting games, sort of which sort of happens starting in Mortal Kombat 3, um, where it starts to get, you can sit there and eat shit and it's like playing pool where the person just breaks and then you know, runs it out without you even touching it. So, you know, that's what, how a lot of people feel with modern fighting games. This doesn't have that. It's got superficial combos where you can chain moves together, but it doesn't, you, you don't get completely beaten without touching a button. And, uh, you know, people, I think people, casuals particularly hate that about newer fighting games. So with your friends, this is a fantastic game. It really is. It holds up. It's just, Again, you've got better options though. You've got Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, you know, it's, and also does it play as well as Street Fighter? Not really, you know, if you're being honest. But Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo has its own AI bullshit to contend with too. So, you know, like, I, I would still recommend this with the caveat don't play against the computer like if you don't have a buddy there to play it like that's why those arcade one-up cabinets are good you can have one lying around your house or you can set up a bit of an emulator with the roms and you can have a have a play for you know 20 minutes an hour with your friends get sick of it someone will be too good and you get frustrated and you know like it's also i think one of the games where people learn to pick someone else (laughs) if that makes sense right you win too much you pick someone else I think, you know, Mortal Kombat 2, I would agree with it, doesn't hold up if you play single player, but definitely a light recommend if you have someone there to play against. So, I don't know about you guys, I I would call this a a flawless victory on our part. So, all that's left to do is basically hand the mic over to you guys and let everyone know what you do on your corner of the internet and where people can find you. And I will start with returning guest, Rick Firestone. Tell us about Pixel Project Radio. Sure thing, man. Uh, and thanks again for having me back. This is this has been a great trip down memory lane, and it got me into playing ports of the game that I was not familiar with. Uh, even I did dabble on the SNES port, but I mean, it was on uh, a Retroid Pocket, so like, I'm not going to say that I've played it, you know, until I've got my hands on. on Still playing handheld, I see. Um, <laughs> Old habits <laughs> can't, can't break the cycle. Uh, yeah, you could check out Pixel Project Radio wherever you get your podcasts. You, we did do a fighting game and Mortal Kombat episode. Uh, it will become obvious that it's not really my wheelhouse; that I just kind of play them for fun. Um, I'm not as good at talking about them as I am talking about games with like uh, stories, like JRPGs. 
but it's a good time. We go through story-based games primarily. Uh, sometimes we do topics like the music of Nobuo Uematsu. That's a lot of fun. And uh, if you want to check out more of Keith, Keith did two excellent shows with me, if memory serves correctly. Uh, one on Link's Awakening, which is uh, maybe tied for my favorite Game Boy game of all time with Donkey Kong 94. And he also did with me, shit, what was it, Keith? Uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, uh, but the sequel, Zelda. I'm, I'm totally blanking on the title. Uh, Cadence of Hyrule. Cadence of Hyrule. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, uh, which is a super cool game. I still think about that all the time. Uh, so yeah, if you want to hear more Keith, check those Jam out. Jam soundtrack for Cadence of Hyrule. Oh my God, it's so good. It's And it, it's one of those instances where Nintendo lets somebody else do it and they just hit a home fucking run. That tends to happen sometimes. I do that more often, Nintendo. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And Raging Demon, tell us about Command List. That very much is our wheelhouse, fighting games, obviously. Um, so, yeah, we, we put out an episode maybe once a month, a couple of times a month. Otherwise, you'll hear me on other podcasts, such as this one or Retro Wars or, you know, Retro Hangover, etc. Um, and yeah, like I love talking fighting games. If you like fighting games, check out Command List. Yeah, and shout out to Link's Awakening. I enjoy that game too very much. I think that was a fucking the best Game Boy game. It's not even a question in my mind. I mean, you can make an argument for Pokemon, but I'll argue against it. Yeah, so that's that's enough plugs for for me, I guess. Yeah, check out Command List. We're on everything. You know, don't expect an episode every week. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been great talking Mortal Kombat 2 with you guys. And yeah, you know, like I listened to your Mortal Kombat 1 episode and it was fantastic and I would recommend listening to it, you know, and also shout out to Dave Craddock. We've brought him up a few times. You brought him up in your MK1 podcast. Um, Yeah, go check his book out. If you really like Mortal Kombat, it's a must read. Yeah, it's super great. I tried doing a um another run through of a couple of the chapters trying to find anything about Mortal Kombat 2. They talk a lot about the meta, and I was like, I don't know how much I want to talk about this. Because, um, <laughs> again, some of the development's yeah. pretty self-explanatory, where they're just like, handed them a bag of money, like, okay, make it again. <laughs> so, In fact, I, I mean, I, I appreciate the meta stuff being a, being a really hardcore fighting game of myself, sure. but like, I also actually enjoyed more the uh, how the actors carried on. Who did the uh, characters yes. and the digitized graphics? Yeah, that that those stories are wild. And then hearing about they had a fucking play that they used to go and perform, and uh, yeah, I find that I can't wait to actually, get yeah. to all of that drama in the next episode for Mortal Kombat Three. Um, oh god, some shit goes down, and it is interesting. It is, and it may or may not be the reason why someone's missing. Well, all that's left for me to say. Well, hey, first I gotta talk about what's coming up on the podcast next. And uh, we are getting into the uh, holiday season. Well, I mean, it's one holiday to the next, right? And so next week, or well, two weeks from now, I'll be talking about, of course, a Christmas video game that has bats, cats, and penguins. It's Batman Returns. Man, I, if I own this as a, as a child, I, I don't know, I should have returned it to the store. Batman Returns to the rental store. Anyway. Hope you guys are taking care of yourselves and always remember, it's okay to like a video game.
just a bummer. He said bad words on the main quest podcast. <laughs>